Welcome to Monday Morning Couch Potatoes, hosted by Ronald L.V. Wrights and Timothy T-Dog Wilkberger, where we bring you sports talk from Chicago, Las Vegas, Dallas, and beyond. Today we'll be talking Raider football and previewing Monday night's Bears-Vikings matchup. We'll also talk some White Sox news from the past week, and of course we'll get into the rest of the NFL games from the past weekend and fire out our picks for next week. So let's get to it, Couch Potato fans. That was awesome, dude. Good job for your first time. Well, everybody remembers their first time, Ron. <laughs> so I'll never forget it. You should never forget it. So what do you want to talk about? Let's talk Masters, right? Oh, man. I wish I'd played golf as good as Dustin Johnson did today. That's all I got to tell you. Yeah, right? Um, Dustin Johnson. Oh, he was a beast, dude. Beast mode. Oh, man. Best best finish ever, I believe. What was he? 20 under, breaking Tiger's record. Tiger, of course, defending Masters champion. And Dustin Johnson with a 20 under par. Just, I think he broke it. So he broke it by two strokes. Yeah. I think t- the Tiger's record was 18 strokes way back in, what was it, 97 when he broke onto the scene and surprised everybody with that big win. But 20 overall the win for today for Dustin Johnson and his five stroke margin of victory. I think also the largest margin of margin of victory since 1997. So just an overall dominating performance. Well, what's interesting is the, the masters actually extended their tee boxes when tiger won it the first time. So when he won it the first time, they, they felt that the course was extremely short, obviously, because he was able to, you know, he was hitting 300 yard bombs out there. Yeah. And now, now he's, you know, they've extended it. Now you've got Dustin Johnson coming out there just crushing a ball. Man, uh, what a great, it was great to see the Masters being played, even it was in November. I, I would say the difference between May or April, April, I think it is, April and now would be probably less wind. It didn't look so windy out there. It, no, it didn't. But the colors looked amazing. Like the, the, the grounds were beautiful. Perfect. Yeah, it always looks good down there. And it was, I think the conditions were, were ripe for a, a real fun, fun uh, weekend. And, you know, it was a, a lot of good golf played this weekend. And see him put the green jacket on, you know, he was happy. And it was a nice, nice win for him. Yeah, the problem is the green jacket, right? Like everybody that, you know, you're proud to wear the green jacket. Everyone's. Wearing, you know, if you're a Masters champion, you wear the green jacket. The problem is the green jacket, it's so ugly. It's like, here's 20 guys wearing the same ugly green jacket. Like, it's I know. Never it's, gonna, it's never going to change. It's never going to go away. It's, I, it's, it's know, so well it, known in, in the in the world of golf. It, that green jacket, no matter how ugly it is, is gonna is still going to be coveted and will always be there. Do you think you would he's, find the green jacket in, like, say, a local Goodwill? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, that's that's not something I think you're going to see. But he's got – think of all the privileges that come with this. Yeah, he won $2 million or $2.1 million or something today. I think it's only the second purse to be over $2 million for the winner. But he all, he he's, gets to come back for the rest of his life, gets to play the Masters the rest of his life. And yeah. So I, I think it's, it's just an exciting win for him and – no, it was, it was awesome. That was it was great to see uh, for a non-football 
anything. It's, you know, just a nice individual sport. Uh, took the field, cruised through the the Sunday round, and ended up uh, Tiger slipping on the green jacket on uh, Dustin Johnson. So uh, good job, Dustin. Well, like I said, I wish I played as good as him. I got some golf in today, and it was not 20 under. I think it was easily 20 or more over, but, you know, whatever. You got some golf in today? I did. I played a little bit of golf today. Played a little golf with uh, our buddy Steve. Really? Oh, yeah. Tell me all about it, but I hear something coming, dude. I think it's... The smack wagon. Yeah, you know, I don't know how I want to say this. You know what? I lost to him again, and I think it's it's just obvious that he continues to cheat. And I just don't know what else I can do about this. You know, I, I try to play with honest people, and he's out there saying he hit a five when he really hit a six. And I have to remind him about all the different strokes, saying, well, you forgot about that one, and you forgot about this one. And he goes, oh, yeah, honest mistake. No, I think you're just a dishonest person. I think that's really what we got going on here. So, you know, Steve, I, I tell you what, today is the day you are getting run over by the smack wagon. Wow. Poor Steve out there. He can't even defend himself. He's not even on the podcast. That's too bad. But oh, he'll defend himself. He'll, he listens. He'll be he'll be throwing me a text, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure of that. Well, it's funny you say about like, you know, there are players out there. I, I'm in a golf league here in Las Vegas called uh, MGA, Mediocre Golf Association. They actually have a Mediocre Golf Association out there in Dallas where you live there, T-Dog. Uh, so, you, you know, for us mediocre players, you know, you can compete and you can try to win a tournament, a fictitious tournament, uh, and get a big check. It's quite fun. Two million dollars? <laughs> More like uh, $2. But you know no. what? It's worth It's worth the time. It's worth the camaraderie, uh, the fun. You, you have so much fun playing golf, and you're playing with people that you see about once a month or twice a month in tournaments. You actually get a trophy and stuff. It's actually quite awesome. By all means, this is not any promotion for MGA. Like it, We're not sponsored by MGA, but it is, uh, it is a fun league to be in. But speaking of players that cheat, you know, potentially it's out there. There are a lot of people that actually will kick the ball a little bit full forward, um, will place their ball marker on the green and then drop their ball like three inches, four inches up towards the hole and then replace their ball marker. So it's it's prevalent. It's out there. So it doesn't surprise me that Steve would just be a, a cheater. But, you know, the more he drinks, I would think the more he cheats. So we'll see how that goes. Well, well, based on how you just explained that, I think I'm a cheater too. So now I feel embarrassed. Maybe I need to get run over by the smack wagon. (laughs) I think you just did, my friend. So anyways, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today. We also have uh, a manager uh, that was hired by the Chicago White Sox, Tony La Russa. Who, I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never heard of this guy. And neither did the cop that pulled him over in February, <laughs> right. by the way. He did not know he was a Hall of Famer. He had no idea. He mentioned it. He mentioned it. He's like, don't you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Famer. Baseball yeah, player. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, the cop didn't know, so he had to remind him. So here's here's the argument, or here's let's let's set up the premise, or let's set up the scenario here. So Tony LaRusso is living his life, his personal private life, in February out in Arizona somewhere, and he gets in a car. Unfortunately, he was drinking. We don't condone that, but he was drinking. He got pulled over. He told the cop who he was, and he was arrested for DUI. That was in February of 2020. He then comes for an interview at some point in, what, October, I would assume, maybe even sooner. But uh, in October, he gets an interview with the Chicago White Sox to be the, the manager of the, the club. Um, he was hired October 23rd. The next day. He was hired the next he day. Was, yeah. He was charged with a DUI initially charged uh, October 22nd. He was mm-hmm. hired October 23rd. And then sometime in the first week of m- November, he was charged, officially charged with uh, DUI. So I, I was listening to some of the, you know, like Sports Center and stuff, first take and stuff. And some of the announcers out there, they were talking about how, you know, this guy shouldn't, shouldn't be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. Um, what he, his actions are not, um, you know, condoned and, and absolutely his actions are definitely not condoned, but at no point in February, was he working for major league baseball or he was a head coach of the white Sox? Like he, this was his personal demons or whatever you want to call it as he was driving in the day of age of February, which coronavirus wasn't that big at that time. Pretty sure you could have gotten an Uber or a Lyft or something to go mm-hmm. home in. But that being said, he got in the car. He is now uh, charged with DUI. And now he, in, in his personal life, has to take the, the, the next steps to recover and get over that hump. The problem, though, is ESPN and a few other uh, news outlets really are asking for the White Sox to fire him. Because they felt that, you know, his actions are not um, a part of being a head coach or being a manager of a, a of an MLB club. I think uh, you. I think you can see their argument as far as firing. Here's how I feel about it, and then you can kind of bounce off of that. Uh, I feel that it's his personal life, and he's got to deal with that on his own. Um, I don't feel that he should lose his job over it over the decision he made a bad decision that really had really nothing to do with him being a, a manager of the Chicago White Sox. But that being said, he is also 70 something year old man who is now the head coach of, I mean, the manager of the Chicago White Sox and has to deal with 20 year old kids, 30 year old kids, 30 year old men, 20 year old kids, 20 year old men, however you want to look at it and try to relate to them. And drinking and driving, I don't, you know, that doesn't really set a good example if you're trying to set examples, but I don't know if he's supposed to set examples. You know what I mean? T-Dog? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think it's a lot of it has to do with, this is my thought on this, Ron, where how a person handles a situation like that, because you know, as well as I do, when you're inebriated, I say that kind of, you know, funny, you know, as well as I do, like, you know, we're inebriated all the time, but no. So 
you know, you're not always thinking the clearly and you see somebody, how did he, use, did he try to use his status to, to get out of it? You know, did he say, Hey, do you know who I am? You know, you see stars and athletes and all that type of thing happen. Even other people, politicians and people and lawyers that you try to use their status to get to get out of things like this. And is that really what people are looking at is how he handled it? You know, sort of the, hey, you can't do this to me. I'm a celebrity type deal versus, hey, having some remorse. I messed up. You know, I'm going to learn from my mistakes and I'm going to move forward, which you know, it says kind of really spells what your character is Yeah. Uh, versus being, Hey, you can't do this to me. But at the same time, you're not always thinking straight when you're, you know, you talk about the beer muscles. Well, the, the brain doesn't operate very well on it either. And, you know, from what I've read about this whole situation, yeah, he's had a couple t- DUIs now. I thought it was three, maybe it's two, but there, you know, there's some history there with some of his, the alcohol and the usage with Tony Larusa. So, you know, I I don't know if it's necessarily something where he loses his job or should lose his job over that. Um, I, it's to me, it's more the other side of the coin. It's like what you mentioned. I mean, you know, he's 76 years old. You've got these. The, I think the White Sox are one of the youngest teams in baseball as far as average age. You've got. Star young stars there like Eloy Jimenez, who the you know Sox got from the Cubbies, and Luis Robert and Timmy Anderson. How's it? You know, you've heard a lot about him this week. Oh yeah, here's a kid that you know Tony Larusa, kind of that cranky old school guy, and Timmy Anderson's out there flipping his bat every time he hits a home run. Yeah, because that's his thing. He's not going to change. That's his thing, yeah. and he's not, and he's not really showing people up when he does it. It's more of a kind of a you know a flip off to the side that you know just is kind of like when Sammy used to do that hop. You remember that? He used to drive oh, yeah. people nuts too. It actually yep. used to drive us nuts because he'd do the hop, and then it would be a double off the wall, <laughs> or it would have been a double, but he had to you know he's got caught because he was doing that stupid hop. But um, or it so would have been a catch again. What's that? Or it would have been a catch. Or it would have been a catch, yeah. So, right. so maybe a lot of it has to do with the character. For me, it's more about you know, is he really the right guy for that team based on you know who they are? And you think about, you think about Reinsdorf, right? The the owner of the White Sox. This isn't the at least he's consistent because <laughs> this isn't the first time he's done this. You remember he did the same thing with Doug Collins, yeah, right? He fired him back in the day to bring in Phil Jackson, and of course we all know how that worked out, right? Pretty good. You know, but then he brings Collins back. I think it was a few years ago to be an executive, right? So he always said how much he felt, how bad he felt for firing his butt. I mean, him and Collins were friends, and you know, I, I obviously I think he'll stop short of saying he regrets it because you know six titles in eight years. I don't know if there's any regret, but yeah. nonetheless, you know, and that's actually that's actually might be a good question for our listeners, Ron. Would the would the Bulls still have won six titles if Collins stuck around? I mean, Jackson was still on the staff. He would have been, you know, he was an assistant. But hit us up, right? Hit us up and let us know. Do you think that the the Bulls still would have won those championships? I mean, they obviously had the talent. Yeah. Right? There's no question they had the talent. They had the best player in the history of the league, as far as I'm concerned. But if Collins was still around, would they have still won six titles in eight years? But, but like, you know, just back to the Reinsdorf thing. You know, he, it's at least he's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's done it once before, and he brings back his buddy. Well, he had Tony Larusa, you know, thirty years ago on the White Sox, yeah. um, and he regretted. He said he regretted firing him too. 
Yeah, because Larusa moved on and had won some championships with your crosstown. Well, not crosstown, but you know, downstate rivals, mm-hmm. uh, St. Louis Just Cardinals. Fact, the last time he managed was in 2011, and they won it all. So, yeah. so I mean, he sure. he is a winner. I mean, at, at, in some levels, he's a winner. But the other question is: Is he a winner because he was with the A's with uh, Mark McGuire and? Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco and and those guys, the Bash brothers, you know, mm-hmm. that was right at the start of steroids. Did he know about it? Did he not know about it? Um, did he turn a blind eye? Who knows, right? Like, who? he says he didn't know that they were juiced up, but how do you go from, you know, a stick to just huge? And then you you move on through the years, and he kind of has been dodging and weaving in and, and that and winning his championships, which rightfully so. But uh, yeah, it, you know that's a that's a really good question, and, and it really gives us you know an opportunity to to talk about it and to um, maybe maybe you guys out there in the podcast world, uh, in the fan world, I guess, have a question about it. So hit us up at mm couch potatoes on Twitter. Tweet us, tweet us. Also, send us an email info at mondaymorningcouchpotatoes.com. If we get an email, we have yet to get one, Tim. We have yet to get one. But as soon as we get one or a response on our Twitter page, or you can even hit us up at MM Couch Potatoes on Facebook page. We have a Facebook page, everyone. Uh, put in your comments there. If we get it, we'll bring it up and we'll talk about it on the, the podcast. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it plays off. I mean, Edgar Rent, I mean, Renteria, the ex head uh, manager of the White Sox, took third in uh, votes for manager of the year. I think he was second, actually. Was it second? Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> that guy just can't catch a break. He can't catch a break. Um, speaking of catching a breaks, uh, the NFL today, you have a, something on the NFL today there. Yeah, actually, we have uh, a couple of. A couple of big things that happened in the past uh, week or so off the field in the NFL, Um, one of them being some new changes to the the Rooney rule, uh, the minority hiring rule, and also to how they're going to do the playoffs. What's that? Uh, Playoffs. Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Well, there you go. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We're talking playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that and, you know, obviously with things that are going on with COVID and everything right now and, you know, sports teams and I'm many people trying to get some sense of normalcy back and, and you know, this type of stuff and keep things going. Billion dollar business, obviously, billions and billions of dollars at stake when you talk about the NFL and wanting to be out there and playing and, and they've got all these things going on with with uh, uh, the different things they put in place restrictions and keeping these guys from as safe as they possibly can. Um, things are going to happen, right? I mean, we've already had some games postponed, rescheduled, things like that. So there, this is, and this is all waters, Ron, that are being navigated as we go, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, they expanded the playoffs before the season even started from 12 games to 14 games. And now they're talking about, you know, if, for some reason they can't get all the games in prior to, I believe they pushed an extra week in there. So week 18 about uh, expanding to 16 teams. Um, part of that being because of the fact that if there are teams that can't finish with a full 16 game schedule, 
there might be some differences in the seeding potentially with, you know, the winning percentage and things like that. Um, but as you said, as we were chatting before the podcast, interestingly enough, that would be half the league. Half the league would then make the playoffs. Yeah. Now as a bear fan, I think I'd kind of like that, you know, because right now we are teetering on disaster <laughs> and yeah. we'll get to them in a minute. But um, so, yeah, interesting that, the, but again, they have to be flexible. That's the thing. And I think that the NFL, they're, they've got a lot of people working on this every day and all the things that they're looking at to do everything they can to put a product out there and get those playoffs in and have a Super Bowl. And I think, you know, as a fan, I applaud them for really kind of just thinking outside the box and trying to and staying as flexible as they possibly can. I mean, it's hard to get the, the ownership in the NFL to agree on a lot of things as yeah. we move forward through and to have them do that during the season and knowing kind of the stakes, it is good to see, but yeah, interesting it, is, it is good to see. I just think that it's, you know, it's all about revenue and, and a lot of these owners are not generating enough revenue because they don't have fans in their stadium. There's no concessions being purchased. I mean, I'm sure there's millions and millions. 2.4 billion, there I think go. is what I heard. 2.4 billion lost revenue if they don't have fans for the whole season. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of money on stake. So if they can eke out one more game, especially if it's a meaningful game where they can generate TV revenue, mm-hmm. then I think it's worth them doing it, right? And I also think – I know they won't go past Week 18, which means that their playoffs will probably still – go normal. We'll probably have that Super Bowl game in the first Sunday of February. Um, I don't know if they would, I don't even know if they would play. Um, what's the, um, the pro bowl. There isn't, I believe that's already been canceled. Yeah. I was gonna say there's yeah. there, no fans there. What's the point, right? Yep. So it, once again, you know, these are decisions that the NFL are making on the fly and for, you know, what we're dealing with this uptick in COVID cases now, I, I th- really feel that it's it's good to have an open mind about what to do next or where how to navigate this this chart of of this boat really traveling through this you know unknown you know territory. So the so basically the Bears have a chance even as, as crappy as they have been playing they actually have a chance to possibly get in the playoffs especially if they extended to sixteen teams. The other. The other uh, thing we want to talk about tonight is the uh, the the what is it the Rooney yeah, the change, rules the changes yeah the changes uh, resolution to the uh, the Rooney rule which is the rule to help bolst- bolster a minority hiring um, for high level jobs I believe it's specifically around head coaching and general manager positions Ron and the, this this is something that I know they have talked about this in the past on how they can. Um, reward teams for promoting and developing minor league coaches, which I think this is just as big, if not bigger than, than some of the other things that are going on in the league right now. And um, the, basically the, the changes to the rule that they approved, and I think it was just approved a few days ago, they talked about it back in May uh, about doing this, but um, if, if a team that, uh, loses a minority assistant coach who becomes a head coach or a personal executive who becomes a general manager, they receive third round compensatory draft picks for the next two drafts. And I think the, what I really like about this rule and the, the Rooney rule has always, you know, its main 
issue was to get teams to interview at least one minority uh, candidate for a coaching position or a GM position. Yeah. And what really kind of stunk about that, and we even see this just in regular corporate world, not even, not just the NFL, where oftentimes people are being interviewed, even though that person really has already made up their mind. They already know who they want. And that's where a lot of people would complain about the Rooney rule is that you're bringing me in for an interview when everybody already knows you wanted that guy and you're going to hire him anyway. Yeah. Um, now granted, yeah, now you're talking about at least it gives them some good interview experience. At least it does open the door for maybe that owner to see that, okay, maybe I'm being too close minded on this and you know, I've got, I've really got, I don't want to just look at one guy. Let me look at some other candidates. So I think there is some positive there, but giving some rewards to a team that's going to internally develop a coaching staff, a coaching member or a, or an executive and then they get hired by another team rewarding that team. I think that's a pretty good start in the right direction to be able to kind of get teams to really start recognizing what they have in their ranks, start, you know, cultivating their, their leadership and bringing these coaches along and helping them learn and get better across the board. I, I think it's a positive. I really like the idea. And I think that, I'm really hoping teams will take advantage of it and really start pushing, you know, some of these folks who, who have proved they can deserve and they're in these lower coaching ranks to get up and be start getting these head coaching opportunities and uh, even general manager executive opportunities as well. Well, you know, what's interesting though about it is the thing that really frustrate frustrates me about this decision is yes, it's great. And I'm, I'm all for it. You know, the figure the NFL has a lot of ex NFL players that potentially can be really good coaches or GMs or, you know, just we and we see that out there now. But Mm -hmm. what really frustrates frustrates me about this is that, you know, why are we why are we rewarding teams for doing the right thing to begin with? Like they should be doing that anyways. They should be looking at the best player out there and they're. And now they do they have to really okay so yeah all right so you go into the interview process you you're you're a minority you know you're probably not going to get the job that's fine but you didn't get the head coaching job but maybe you get a, an assistant GM job maybe you actually get into the door right that's that's what you like I just don't think that a team or the NFL owners needs to to earn draft picks for doing the right thing. Because if you feel like the guy or girl or woman is appropriate for the position, then hire him for that position. And don't take advantage of, oh, well, we just got two or three. We got four new four new players on this team, especially if you're looking at like downsizing the team, right? If you're saying, oh, we're going into a rebuild. So you're going to hire these guys into these positions for rebuild. Hopefully they'll do the right job or they rebuild well, or like a Doug Callen situation, even though he's not minority, he, he, he basically gets fired when the, the bulls have an opportunity to go, they pop off. That's what they do. The bulls pop off, but it's not Doug Collins. And same could be said for the Blackhawks, uh, when they let go Savard and brought in Joe Quinville, you know, uh, the Blackhawks had already gotten, you know, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. 
they already had all those picks and mm-hmm. Savard was the head coach and they, they fired Savard and they did bring him back into, I think in the, in some kind of role in, in, in the management at the back end, or at least he still worked with Patrick Kane and Taves, but here Quinville comes in and they win three out of, you know, three out of six years. Yeah. You know, bulls win, you know, six out of eight. So are we, are we giving these draft picks to people that actually, you know, to, First off, if you deserve to be in the position you're in, then you deserve to be there. And, you know, obviously I feel like it is a little bit more of, you know, the situation that's happening now because everything's so political, everything's so polarized that, you know, well, saving grace, let's let's do good. I, I don't know. How many black owners are there out there? How many black NFL owners are out there? I'm not, I, don't I don't know. know. That's right. Sad. I don't know that. That's no. right. So why why not just why stop there at head coach or GM or whatever? Why not just continue on and and get somebody in there of of, of not just black, just minority, right? How yeah, many minority owners? Yeah, I think though it, it really Ron it has to do with with opportunity. And you know, right now, you know, part of the reason that rule was put in is because there wasn't the opportunities weren't even being given. I mean, it wasn't even so. Yeah. From the seventies and eighties. Right. I mean, short of being, having the inability to recognize talent, regardless of race, why else are you not giving opportunities to, you know, other minorities? And so that to me is, I think the key there is you, you've got an, you, you provide that opportunity uh, for these folks to move up the ranks regardless of race and for them to prove them, prove their worth. And if teams is are it? going, I mean, I think it is. I think it prove is their worth because they're worth two, two or three compensatory draft picks. I'm not talking about the draft pick piece of it. I'm talking about them proving their worth. I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking about the, the individual individual. Got it giving the opportunity to come forward and prove himself and given the same opportunities as any other coach would get to prove himself. And on the same token, Ron, getting the same type of leadership training, everything else that comes with that from, you know, I look, think of it in my own personal career. You know what? I expect my leadership being my boss or my boss's boss to provide me the guidance and, you know, help me, have those courageous conversations with me and help me learn to get to the next level. Right. And I think that's what the NFL has felt teams are lacking. And as we get more coaches in a minority position, moving up those coaching ranks, well, now you're going to start having more coaches in the minorities to have more opportunities than to get interviews for coaching and things like that. Um, You know, you're not going to have a assistant offensive line coach that you have to interview him for a head coaching job just because you have to, you know, check a box. Right. I mean, now you're getting more and more of the coaches with that are there. It's like building the pool. You're getting a bigger pool of those folks to choose from. I think it's a, that's why I really think it's a good step. Um, I know this is a tough rule because, you know, you think about, uh, like I said, the, the, the managers or the owners saying, yeah, I already know who I'm going to pick, but I've got to interview this person because, right? And that's the hard part. It's like, oh, just, why, you know, how do we get past that? Yeah. I think this starts building up that pool of folks. That's what I like about it. Well, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. And uh, it, it, 
some some of the aspects of this does make sense. Some of it doesn't. I guess we we, we will wait and see, right? We yeah. will wait and see yeah, what see comes how of it. Goes. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited actually to see what we how this plays out and what you start seeing here. Obviously, you know, I think it's going to take some some time down the road, depending on how close folks are. I don't know what the stipulations behind it is. You know, obviously there's got to be some, some sort of guidelines. Um, I would think uh, that, you know, how, how do you qualify that? You know, is it a, is it once that coach becomes an offensive co- a coordinator position or is it? You know, yeah. Because if that's the case, down? start them off low, <laughs> start them off, yeah. start them off low. Hold on. Start them off low. Get your two rounds, get your third round draft picks, then promote them to the next level, but not to the top, just to the next level. Get another. Oh, that's not, that's not how the rule works. You're, work you're, you're work his way up. Your picks and that's not how it works. Oh. It, what it works is if you, if that coach moves on to either a coordinator position with another team or rather ch- change that a head coaching position with another team or your team or moves to the general or an executive moves into a general manager position. That's when you get it. And that's, I think that's what teams are going to, you know, if teams are going to do that, I think it's a, it is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I agree. Point where, why are we, why do we even have to do this? But I mean, we could spend all night talking about that. We need to do it because it, it's just not, it's just not fair enough right now. And I think if we've got a larger pool of folks to choose from, we're going to see some of those rightfully deserved coaches moving up those ranks. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, that was interesting. That was a great debate, my friend. Well, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's NFL. I mean, it's off the field stuff, but let's talk about some on the field stuff. We did have a Raiders game today. No Cowboys. They were off this week, so we didn't have to watch them struggle defensively. Yeah, actually, uh, Raiders, uh, man, Derek Carr didn't have a great game. He was 16-25 and 25 for 154 yards, but he had and no touchdowns and no picks, so that's a good thing. Um, he ran for one, I think he ran one yard or one time for like 10 yards or something, but the running game was off the chain T dog. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, won 21 of for 112 nice. and two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. And Devante Booker won 16 for 81 and two TDs, 5.1 yards per carry. So against a team that I, I don't know where they rank. Uh, where the Broncos rank in the as far as the run game, but man, they were allowing a lot of running. Now from the pass game, they they shut them down pretty much. The Darren Walker or Darren Waller had three three catches for thirty seven yards. That was the leader. But there was some nice there was some nice like Bears flare. There's a couple Bears flare there on the Raiders that I like to see. So uh, Bears gave up a draft pick, a first-round draft pick for uh, picking up Khalil Mack, and the Raiders picked up Josh Jacobs. And, man, he looks – he's a stud, dude. What do you think about Josh Jacobs? Well, yeah, I mean, yo, there's no question. But, I mean, that's part of the reason that you didn't see a lot of – you know, Derek Carr didn't have to do much today because they controlled the ground game. They won in the trenches. The offensive line played – phenomenal today i mean some of the holes that booker was able to run through i saw on some of those just you know they were really churning the yards out i think they had over 200 yards rushing today combined uh but the longest run was maybe 20 something yards i mean they really were were churning out the seven eight nine yard gains yeah um you know and they had 41 carries ron so 
when you've got the ground game clicking like that, you see that a lot right now, you know, a lot of that going on with the Minnesota Vikings, which we'll talk about in a second with the bear game to, uh, on Monday night. But, yeah. um, you know, you don't need to do much as a quarterback. You just need to control the clock. You need to, you know, game management. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of become that game manager. I mean, he, I, I Carr did not have any turnovers today. Uh, so that certainly helped, and you know overall, and I think the defensive play, the defense played well. Uh, you did have a little fisticuffs going on there today, though. A couple, some boxing matches there towards the end. Um, Probably I the hype that. from the UFC match this weekend. Probably what? Probably the hype from the UFC match this weekend. Maybe, maybe, but these there was a couple of uh, the receiver and uh, cornerbacks smacking the crap out of each other on on there, and I think they got kicked out of the kicked out of the game. Well, the Raiders' defense so. had two forced fumbles, three picks. Uh, one of those picks came from one of uh, a Bears, an ex Bears, my friend. Do you know who? Defense. Well, maybe Bush. No, uh, Nick. Oh, oh, Floyd. Yeah, Floyd. No, no. <laughs> Nick Kukowski. Oh, Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. Yeah, he had yeah, a pick. Right. Floyd had a great game for the Rams today. I was I was putting those two together. That's okay. Like two sacks and a. I really like I really like Nick Kwiatkowski or Kwiatkowski. Um, he had he was leading the lead, leading the team in tackles, six tackles, two assists. He also had a interception that he received. They had a total of two sacks, not him personally, but the team had a total of two sacks. So they pressured the quarterback. They did what they had to do to get the win, and, and the end result was a win with a final score of, what was that final score? 37 to 12. But 30, I think, you 37 know. 37 to 12, yeah. The Raiders 12. played a good game, Ron, no question, but. And Drew Locke, he is—he just seems lost. I mean, it just—he's—he's yeah. he's throwing the ball all over the place. He—he he, he air mailing a lot of passes. He—he's uh, he, really kind of staring down the hot read. He's looking at that—that that his first receiver. You see it a lot, and he's struggling. Uh, I think to read defenses. I know he's a young quarterback, and the Broncos really put a lot of stock in him right now. But I—I I don't know if he's the answer. I know we've got our own quarterback problems in Chicago, which we've had for the last. 800 years, but I don't know what we got going on in Denver there. Drew Locke really does not seem to be the answer. No. And especially when you have a GM um, who is a really good quarterback of the Mm -hmm. Denver Broncos, John Elway, he he has, he has not hit very well with any of his quarterback picks or decisions. Um, He just hasn't. So, and he's and he's been starting to catch some flack for that in in the Denver media too. You hear last few years, not just this year, but over the last several years, he's he's catching some that. So, so no Cowboys this week. So we're not going to talk too much about Cowboys except for they need to get their quarterback back. I think, Uh, but we we can uh, jump right into the Bears Monday night game. So Bears are at home against the Minnesota Vikings. And they are a minus three here in Las Vegas uh, betting uh, for the game, so they are an underdog at home. Uh, I should, I think you, uh, Tim, I think you have the Bears to win it today. I do have the Bears to win it, uh, and I do, I do not, I do not. I won with the Vikings. I just think the Bears are on a downward spiral. But speaking of Bears, I have a couple of little little tidbits here. So offensively, they rank 27th. That's, you know, 
not so Are you so sure good. it's that high? I thought it was like 29th. 27th? Yeah, right? Yeah. No, uh, 27th. Defensively, 13th. That's to be expected. They're pretty. They're pretty good defensive team. Uh, passing is 16th. I thought that was interesting. They're 16th in the league for passing. Which, oh, that's because they have to throw it all over the place oh, there to come you go. back. And then uh, the reason why I brought up Josh Jacobs and the Bears' connection with his rushing is that we are 32nd in the league oh, yeah. for rushing. We're, we're the worst rushing team in the NFL. Uh, since 2000, uh, the Vikings are 4-16 and 16 on the road versus the Bears. Just the, oh. yeah. Four and sixteen on the road. So maybe there, maybe I did make a good pick. You, you might, you might have. But, but actually, the, we had a big change with them this week. We talked about it in the last podcast. Oh yeah, Matt, 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 Matt Nagy made a pretty big decision this week, didn't? Yeah, he? let's go to that. For me, if I if if our team can be better because of this move, um, and I don't know that, but if we can, then darn it, that's what we need to do, and that's what I need to do, and that's my job as a head coach. And there's a lot of great head coaches out there in this league that don't call plays as well and have done it a long time that I have a lot of respect for. So that's just a part of this job that I signed up for. And I have to make these decisions. And it just really makes it a lot easier when you have people that you believe in. And, and at the same point in time, uh, for me, I, I do feel like right now, this is the time. Yeah, it's the time. Uh, you were five and one. So you felt like it was good. Now you're five and four. <laughs> so now is the time. Yeah, I I agree with what he's saying. I think I think he needs to get his mind off of of just focusing on the offensive plays because some of these plays that he's been calling have been brutal. Like I feel like he's not looking at the bigger picture of how the game is going, how flow is going. It's been really, really tough over the last three to four weeks, watching really every game, personally, watching everything just stop and pause and then go. And then maybe you get a you know five-yard reception and then another five-yard reception. Then you get four you know offensive uh, penalties. So you sit there and you're just like, Oh my God, can't we just get things flowing? So I think, you know, from that standpoint, I think he, it, it's about time, about time. Now, T dog, you mentioned this last week, my friend, you, you, now he might be going off of your recommendations guys. T dog is very I'm knowledgeable. Sure, I'm not sure if he's one of the Monday morning couch put, potato podcast listeners but it, you know Ron I did I did talk about this last week and it's interesting actually to me that Matt Nagy actually came out and and said this that he was going to take over play calling because it, and I'm not I'm not shocked that he would give up his baby like that um I mean we all know how much he loves play calling and and he got a lot of kudos uh, you know when he first joined the Bears and when he took over and offensively and what he what he got out of Mitch Trubisky and things like that. But what is surprising is that he's been pressed about this. And this has been, this has been pretty public knowledge uh, that a lot of people felt this needed to be this change coming. But he had said that even if he was going to do that, that's not something he would announce. It would be internal. It would be maybe it's something in the bye week or whatever the case may be. So all of a sudden he comes out and says he is going to give up play calling. So maybe – he is listening to Monday Morning Cosby. Yes. You might remember something, Ron. Yeah. Well, he but, should. But this is a this is a crucial game for the Bears. There's no question about it. And 
it's a division game. They're on a three-game losing streak against those three teams that we knew were going to be tough. They're going to be heading into that bye week that I just mentioned. And if they can go into that bye week with a win at six and four, get themselves a little momentum, is a to me is a million times better than heading into that bye week five and five. You just lost a big division game to a team that's really playing well right now. And so you got to go into that off week and you've got, you still have two games against the Packers looming on the other side of that week. Yeah. You come out of that bye week five and five. I don't know if the bears even have a playoff shot at that point. I mean, it's just it, that to me, the Monday night game is crucial to the rest of their season. Yeah, no, I agree. Monday night's going to be big. And a, another interesting little tidbit is uh, Kirk Cousins has the most losses, nine, without a win on Monday night football. So that's another thing that bodes well for the Chicago Bears. Cousins can't play on a Monday night game. We'll see. Because it, it, it may not even come down to Cousins throwing the ball. It may only come down to, and we did a good, we did a really good job against Henry, Derrick Henry last week. We did. It's some that's some of the same recipe. I mean, you look at what Delvin Cook has done for the Vikings the last couple of weeks since he got back from injury. Two hundred and something yards against the Lions, couple of touchdowns. Uh, I think he had three touchdowns against the Packers. The Lions game really wasn't even that close, uh, as the final score would dictate. That they really blew them out. But the but the key to this thing, Ron, is the Vikings really have not needed much from Cousins the past few weeks. I mean, they have committed to running the ball. And Cook has been simply dominating since he got back. Yeah. I think I think he was hurt in that loss to Atlanta. Um, but, I mean, in that game, Cousins only dropped back 15 times against the Packers. I, I had to jot that down because I couldn't believe it. 15 pass plays. Yeah. I, mean, I think he had 20 or 21 against the Detroit Lions. But he hasn't needed to do anything flashy. Yeah. Right? Because Cook has carried the offensive load. Here's the thing. Cousins has also been mistake-free the past couple of games. Through the first six games games of the season, which five of those were losses, he was throwing the ball around like Stevie Wonder, getting picked off ten times. I mean, it was he was all over the place. Nobody even knew what he was doing. Yeah, um, he's zero and five when he throws a pick. He's three and zero when he doesn't. So to win this game, I think you just touched on it. I think it's obvious. There's a couple things that need to happen. One of them is we need Eddie Jackson and the cornerbacks. We need them to come up big. We need that defensive backfield, get after the football, make a play or two. We need to force Cousins into mistakes. When he gets flustered back there, he makes mistakes. And, of course, that's going to start with the pressure up front with big games from like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and the rest of that front seven. And then number two, they need to get up early. They need to get up on the Vikings quickly, which they have obviously struggled to do this season. Force the Vikings to change their game plan. Get away from Cook. I know that's a hard task to ask the Bears to do. Yeah. But maybe Laser, maybe Crazy Bill Laser. Crazy Laser. Crazy Laser will bring some magic and lead on that early charge. Well, the Bears need to do something. Now, as far as, you know, when we're talking about um, the running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook. You know, the Bears, talk about Bear Down. T dog only one hundred yard rusher was in week. Which week was it, and who was it against? Bears have allowed one one hundred yard rusher this whole year. One hundred yard rusher this week or this season? Yep, this season. Oh wow! I you know what? I don't know. I'm going to let you tell me. So week two, it was Ronald Jones. Oh yeah. 
I totally remember that. Yeah, I I don't even know. I don't even remember what team we played in week two. That's how forgetful I am right now. But anyways, he they, that was the last time we gave up a hundred yards. Oh, or in week five, excuse me, week five was that. So week five, Ronald Jones got a hundred. We shut we shut down Henry. The other struggle that we have uh, as far as the Bears go is their offensive line. I mean, well, you're not if if you're gonna have to listen. We're thirty second in rushing now. If Laser is able to get the offensive line in, you know, get some players back of some sort or not, uh, we're not going to be able to have any of those uh, run pass options at all because everyone's going to be. They're like, yeah, well, they're thirty second. They're not going to run. They're going to throw and constantly. Uh, Nick Foles is always on his back foot because his offensive line has been so ferocious. And yes, I use that word ferocious again. But those are the struggles that I see, and that's what makes it very frustrating for a Bears fan to sit there and watch us go three and out over. And what? No more, no more throw throw down the line like a a, a vertical. No horizontal throw down the line. Wide receiver screen. Yeah, wide, wide receiver screen. Get rid of that. That's Steve. That's Steve Wilhelm's favorite play. He loves the wide receiver screen. No, actually, he hates it. But I, Ron, we said this last week. I mean, th- this is more. This Bill Laser move is more of a move that's kind of like a last gasp for air before you sink. Because, yes, he was under Joe Gibbs. He was under Mike Holgram. He runs that West Coast offense, right? Originally known as the Don. Coriel offense when he ran it with San Diego back in the day. Um, and I think it was actually Bill Parcells. Was it Bill Parcells? I think Bill Parcells actually coined the the uh, West Coast offense phrase. But anyway, I, I, I digress. You know, Laser isn't going to change his scheme or, you know, you know just because he's calling the shots. Um, th- as we talk, this is a guy that's an average ranking 24th as an offensive coordinator. I think he actually was dead last in one season with the Bengals. Yeah. And you're right. You know, he doesn't have any offensive linemen in his pocket that he's bringing into the fold. He, you know, he's got to do this with the same revolving door cement shoe wear and line that the Bears are suffering through the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So, you know, are we, should we expect to see some crazy new schemes and gadget plays? No, we're not going to get that, especially with, you know, Nick Foles running for his life. But I think what we might see is a little more creativity with some of the plays to help adjust for that weakness that is the offensive line. We touched on that last week as well. Um, Nagley, Nagy, Nagley, Nagy is struggling with his play calling because he just seems to think that no matter what, his call will be successful despite the talent he's got on that side of the ball telling him otherwise, or lack of talent, I should say. Yeah. And, and actually, Ron, here's a, here's a way I want you to look at this and tell me what you think. The only way I see this switch to laser actually working okay. is if Nagy behind the scenes – is just a big play calling hog and nobody, including laser beam or whatever you want to call him, is allowed to challenge him and say, Hey, you know what, coach, I, I like that play, but we just don't see that working with the guys you have on the field. I truly hope that's the case. Cause that, you know, now granted that would mean that behind the scenes, maybe Nagy's not quite as good as a leader as we, or, you know, everybody's making him out to be, but, but that to me is the only way I see this change being the spark that turns the team around. Because if Laser and the rest of the staff were either ignored, i.e. Nagy saying, forget you guys, I call the plays, or worse yet, they're just a bunch of yes man to their boss, yeah. then we're going to get the same result regardless of who is barking out the place. So to me, I hope that 
that's going to be the difference in this whole laser experiment. And again, hopefully to your point earlier, Nagy can concentrate on just being a leader, maybe going after some of these guys that make those stupid mistakes, the different penalties and being out of position, actually being a leader versus having to worry about the offense all the time. So hopefully I'm right. So he's 100% giving play calling to laser, correct? Well, he's still, you you know, he's still going to be making the decision on what he wants to do on short yardage. And, you know, if they get down in the inside the 10 yard line, I'm sure he's going to be probably, he's probably got a little bit of control on that. I would guess you're still going to see him probably. Well, this is what I think is going to be interesting. Is he still going to have that big laminated card in his hand? Because there is a difference between, you know, is he a micromanager to where he's like, you know what, Bill, you call the plays, but if he still has that card in his hand eh, I don't know if he's actually you know maybe he's just kind of pulling the strings so if he doesn't have that card in his hand is he's let laser do his thing that's to me truly breaking it off and letting him and letting it be different which from that little tidbit you played earlier yeah you know he's saying I I realize it now needs to be different okay well different doesn't mean you're standing beside behind somebody poking him in the shoulder you know, yeah. or you know, buzzing them in one year when it's a yes, and in the other year if it's a no, if you want them to call that play. I mean, that's that's what I hope I don't see. Well, uh, I have some friends that actually know laser, so I'm hoping that I can prod my friends to reach out to him because I guess they, some of my friends have went to college with this guy, so maybe we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, but maybe you know what? the last couple of podcasts I've kind of bashed his past as an offensive coordinator, so he might not like me. But no, no that'd be awesome, absolutely. No, he anytime we get somebody on the on the podcast, that'd be great. So, so for Coach Nagy, if you're out there listening, which I know you're not, <laughs> but if you but if you are, do what your do what the bottom of your card says of your play calling card. Do what it says there. Be yeah, when it's you. fourth and inches, run a quarterback a quarterback sneak. That's what he needs to find. Hopefully that play is somewhere in Laser's playbook or written in pencil on the back of his little piece. Or you know what? Write it on your hand in marker. I don't care. But fourth and inches, QB sneak. Okay. Please. Or do what I was going to say before I was really interrupted by the T-Dog. <laughs> and that is, that is BU. And that's all you can be. BU. Boston University? B-U. Oh, yeah. B-E-Y-O-U. All right. We are moving on to the picks. Picks for next week. So far, folks, from this week's picks, the we were what what do you got for the score for the Ravens? So spoiler alert for the ones that didn't know what the score of the Ravens was. That would be Monday morning. Um well, that that game is over. Okay, and we both lost. So what was what was the final? Twenty three to seventeen. The Patriots with the upset. All right. So moving on from last week, uh, Tim's T Dog's lock of the week, which is the Packers, took it down. His upset of the week, which was the Panthers over the Tampa Bay, did not. And then my lock of the week, which was the Saints came through and my upset of the week, which was the Bengals did not. So we split that. And surprisingly, um, well, let me see here. One, two, three, four. Oh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So Tim's got seven wins and I have six wins. 
going into the last game of the year and last game of the year, right? Uh, last game of the week. And just a recap, uh, we've got the T-Dog tw- Bears 23-20 to 20 on Monday Night Football. And uh, Old LV's got Vikings 28-17. I want to change my score. Now that Laser is calling the plays, Bears 3, Vikings 0. 3-0, really? Uh, I'm not even going to write that down. All right. All right, so next week we have Cardinals at Seahawks, Thursday night game. What do you got? Car- the Cardinals, oh, man, did you you didn't see the ending of that game today. I, Unbelievable I didn't. Barry Fitzgerald. In the end zone. In the end zone, yep. three defenders. Last play, or essentially the last play of the game. I think there might have been one second left, but Murray rushing out to his right and or to his left and throws a ball up there, and he really kind of threw it more of a prayer. He was about to get smoked. I don't know. No, he wasn't. No, he, he. There was three defenders around him. I don't know if he was going to get. Well, I'm talking about Murray. Murray was. Oh. Yes. And Fitzgerald jumps up and pulls that ball down. Unbelievable. Just, just the game of the week. And um, play of the week, really, and game of the week. It, it was a yeah. good. Hey, Kyler Murray is a, is an absolute stud. Let's be honest, man. That that kid uh, is unbelievable. So, that being said. Does Kyler uh, go to Seattle and upset Seattle Seahawks? I don't nope. even know if it's upset. I'm sure Arizona's the favorite. No, I'm gonna, no, I'm sure the Seahawks are favorite at home, but I'm going to take Seattle. Are you really? I am. All right. So I am going to go with the Cardinals because I think the Cardinals look amazing. All right, so that was Thursday night. We, uh, now we're going on Sunday's games, Titans at Ravens. Titans and Ravens, I think Baltimore, I, I think the Ravens uh, rebound in this one. I know the Tennessee is is playing good football right now, but uh, I think this is where Baltimore comes back. It's a big game for them, and I'm going to pick the Ravens on this one. Yeah, I'm going – I'm opposite you right now. So, so far, first two out of the out of the block is – I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. Oh, you're taking the Titans. Nice. Yeah, I think Titans on the road. I'm just – I have no confidence in the Ravens right now. Uh, Jackson was MVP. Wasn't he MVP last year or the year before? And he has not been the same since. So I just, I just don't, I'm not feeling it. Lions at the Panthers. Lions at the Panthers. Go ahead, T. Lions at the Panthers. All right. You know what? This one, I think I'm going to take, um, man, this is a tough one. Carolina just continues to let me down and, and Stafford just keeps continue, you know, figuring out ways to win big games. But I think I'm going to take Carolina at home on this one. I think they rebound and uh, pick up a win defensively play. Well, I'm going to take the Panthers. I thought I heard that Bridgewater was hurt, uh, but I don't know how bad he was hurt. So I'm going to go with the lions. They, they eked it out today uh, with a field goal, with less than four seconds or six seconds left, and it was a 50-yarder. A 50-yarder against Washington, and Alex Smith had a great game. But I I like the Lions. So, moving on. Eagles at the Browns. Well, I keep, you know, I keep bashing the Browns and saying I'm not a believer and and that. But you know what? Now that they got Nick Chubb back, he had a big game today. Although I love the fact that he ran for that touchdown. And big Vegas news, I believe they were four-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, were they? (laughs) And he didn't score that touchdown. 
he ran out of bounds because yeah. he told him Brian Bounds to win the game. So the whole betting world just, you know, for the Browns was just up in, up in the air. But, yeah, so that was an interesting call out by their part. Um, but, unfortunately, Vegas doesn't run the NFL. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to finally take the Browns this week. I think they're going to pull this one off. I'm going to take them at home. I think the NFC least is just the worst division in football, so I'm yeah. going to take the Browns. I agree with you. I'm going to go ahead with the Browns in that one. I, I, I have no faith in any team in that division, Eagles, Giants, Washington, and the Cowboys. So Patriots at the Texans. Oh God, every time. And this is the, the Texans. I mean, here's a team where I just think they're going to figure out a way and break out of their funk. But I think uh, Bill O'Brien, he's lost this team. Uh, they're just, you don't see it in the way they play today. They were just all kinds of problems. They had penalties, could not move the football. Uh, they played well defensively, but overall, I, I just I don't know what it is with Houston. I think that's it's, it's all really a lot of it mental right now. This team's just not playing good football. I think it's going to continue. Um, Patriots obviously big win over Baltimore, so you know I think they're playing really well. I'm going to take the Patriots. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans. I just at home. I just feel like Texans have an opportunity to win. Uh, Packers at the Colts. This is going to be a good game. This is going to be a good game. Go ahead. Yeah, probably one of the better games of the week. Um, You know, I think looking at that game, I think the Sunday night game, Chiefs-Raiders is going to be another big one. The Monday night game, Rams-Buccaneers, that one's going to turn into, I think, a pretty darn good football game. But, yeah, Packers-Colts, definitely probably one of the top games. Uh, like the Colts defense, I like the, what they've been able to do, stopping the the pass and 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 getting in there and after the quarterback. So I'm going to take the Colts on this one. I think they uh, take care of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He's not going to be doing that discount double check touchdown thing this week. Nice discount double check. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with the Colts on that one. So we had Steelers at Jacksonville. So. What's interesting is I remember talking about my upset of the week and I almost, I, I was kidding and I said that I would take Jacksonville on the road in in um, against the Packers and they actually almost pulled it out today. So Jacksonville lost though, 24-20. Um, man, I, I but that being said, I don't think they have the power oh, come on. to beat the Steelers. Especially at home. So I'm going to go with the Steelers to remain undefeated this year. Okay. Ed, well, Pittsburgh's on the road. And, it's and, oh, and. At home is what you're saying. Wait, wait, wait. And Pittsburgh's on the road. Right. And it will be my lock of the week. Oh, your lock of the week. All right. Well, it's not going to be my lock of the week, and it's not going to be the upset of the week. Ben Roethlisberger will be victorious. Steelers over the Jaguars. That's an easy one. All right. Here's an interesting game. Falcons at the Saints. Going to go with New Orleans on this one. Um, yeah, I think they play real well at home. And, uh, you know, Atlanta yeah. continues to struggle. I know the Falcons have a, uh, you know, an extra week to kind of get prepped for this game, which could be an advantage. But I think I'm going to go ahead and take uh, New Orleans Saints at home on this one. I agree with you. I, I I like the Saints. They they want in. Were they at home today? Was the Saints home today? The Saints. Yeah. As a matter of fact, every home team won except for the Titans and the Panthers. So it was a good thing to be at home today if you were an NFL football team. 
So I like I like the Saints as well at home against the Falcons. I think the Falcons had their opportunities in the beginning, but I I, I just don't see them going into um, NOLA, as my one friend out there calls it, NOLA, and and taking the Saints down. So we got Bengals at the Washington football team. Team formerly known as the Redskins, huh? the Bengals. You know, I've been high on Joe Burrow the last several weeks. Um, you know, they got smacked around today by the Ste- or, uh, on Sunday by the Steelers. No question there. Um, you picked Cincinnati to to win that game. Just didn't happen for you. Yeah, that was my upset. I was your upset? But um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think they get a big road win here against against the NFC least and the Washington Football Team. So give me the Bengals. And I'm still, I still like, if Alex Smith is in as quarterback, I'm going to go with Washington. I, I, I feel they should have won today or at least got to the overtime round, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. But, man, they, they lost with a Matt Prater field goal kick with like, you know, four seconds left, 50 yards out. Are you kidding me? Can't stop the Lions. So at the end of the day, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Washington football team. Uh, Hey, here we go. This is actually going to probably be a good game for you next week to review. Cowboys at the Vikings. Cowboys at the Vikings. Well, I tell you what, this is going to be my lock of the week. Wow. I can't believe you're going to go with the Cowboys. That's amazing. Yeah, I I don't think so. You see, what I see in this game is this is that defense right there. I know they played well against Pittsburgh, uh, but overall, I actually they played a lot better against Pittsburgh than they have all week long. But looking at what Dalvin Cook can do against that offense, I think he's going to shred them, especially up at home in Minnesota. So I think this is a big win for the Vikings who bounce back after a Monday night loss to the bears. So I'm going to take Ooh. the Vikings as my lock of the week. All right. You got it. I'm also going to take the Vikings as a win over the Cowboys. I just have no faith in the Cowboys right now. They have no faith in their quarterback, even though the second quarterback or the third one, two, three, the fourth quarterback that they brought in actually is looks really good for only playing one game. He looked really good for that first game. So with the extra time off and the uh, ability to have more reps and stuff, I still think Cowboys lose, but I think they don't lose by much. So we're going to go. Here we go. I'm going to talk about this one. It's Chiefs at the Raiders. I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are the favorite, even though they're on the road. Can you confirm that there, T-Dog? I'm sure you can. Yeah. They are the favorites. They so are I'm, favorite. so I'm going to go with upset of the week, and I'm going to pick the Raiders, my Las Vegas Raiders, taking on the Chiefs at home, and the Raiders are going to win upset of the week. Well, this is going to prove that we don't actually meet ahead of time and talk about our picks because I have the Raiders down as my upset. Oh, okay, as well. that's fine. I think this is a this is a big game. You, this is where I see Derek Carr really stepping up uh, and playing well uh, on a on the uh, 
the, the grand stage, right? Sunday night football, big rival coming into town. Patrick Mahomes, a really, really, really good quarterback, obviously. But I just see Carr playing really well and, and getting that team rolling. If they can run the football today as w- or on uh, next week as well as they did this weekend, I think they can eke out a win. So I'm going to take the Raiders up for my upset as well. I like it. I like it. All right. We got some Raider fans here. <laughs> Not really. So <laughs> Dolphins at the Broncos. That kid, that quarterback for the Dolphins. What is it? Tugviel Eola. Double T. Double T. Yeah. Man, he is, he is, that kid, that kid looked great today. He, they played today, right? They did. Yeah. Yeah. He looked, he looked amazing. I don't, did they win? They beat the Chargers today. That's right. 29 21. No, no, no. I'm just making sure you were paying attention. 29 21. I, I was watching a little bit of the game, and once again, he's, he's making decisions. He's, he's throwing off the correct foot. He's, you know, spreading out the offense. I mean, hey, you're 18, 19, your hip gets pulled out of the socket and you're out for the remainder of the year. You come into the NFL, you know, unquestioned, but he's so young. And even that type of injury, which needed rehab, you can't even tell. You cannot even tell at all that he has had a hip injury at all. Um, yeah, that, he is, yeah, that was a... It was a tough injury, no question. Yeah, it, it was definitely no one is questioning it. And um, <laughs> the reality of it is I like the Dolphins over the Broncos. And like you were saying about Locke, the Broncos just look lost. You mean the Chargers? Because they're playing the Chargers, aren't they? Or no, they, they played the Chargers today. That's who they played. That's right. That's why, don't right. You, you know, why don't you watch? <laughs> not paying attention. <laughs> well, I, you know what? And I keep getting his name wrong. It's Tago Vailoa. We just got to remember that. It's Tago Vailoa. Tua Tago Vailoa. Tua. Double Tua. T. Double T. Yeah, good. Yeah, definitely a good game. He's, he's playing smart, right? He's playing smart with the football. I think that the coaching staff is doing a good job of keeping him out of trouble, avoiding mistakes. They're moving him kind of in and, you know, out of that pocket. Um, you know, I think it was a rough game today for Justin Herbert a little bit. You know, he sacked a couple of times and struggled a bit, uh, especially there towards the end of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Chargers right now, even though I like Herbert and I think they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to look good. They did struggle today against, against the Dolphins. And, this was going to be. This to me is going to be a big road win for Miami going into Denver. Like like you had said with uh, with Drew Locke continue to continue to struggle. I think the the Broncos arrow is definitely pointing down, and he's going to exploit that and move to four and zero as a starter this season. So I'm going to take the Dolphins. Yeah, and who would have thought, man? Your your first starter, which was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he he had won a couple of games. They won two in a row before going into, uh, before pulling him. He had won mm-hmm. two games in a row, and then they pulled him. But uh, right now, you have to say that was that was the best move. You know, he provides a lot more um, substance out on the field. Uh, Jets at the Chargers, my friend. The last team to that has yet to win a game this year. The New York. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 at the L.A. Chargers. What do you got? Well, I think this is a game where Herbert rebounds, and, you know, they're going to be at home back in L.A., back in their confines. Um, you know, I expect them to to get after 
the New York Jets and uh, get after the quarterback. And I just can't see the Jets pulling this one off on the road, so I'm going to take the Chargers. I agree. Chargers with the win over the Jets. Jets are looking for the first-round draft pick, folks. Let's call a spade a spade. It just is what it is. Uh, that team just looks hapless. Uh, Adam googly eyes Gacy. Just, I, I don't even think he'll have the job by the end of the year. So right now, Jets, the only thing you guys got going for is the number one draft pick. Rams at Tampa Bay, my friend. Well, this is another big game. You know, you had mentioned last week uh, when you picked Tampa Bay over Carolina, and that was going to be my upset of the week that uh, you saw Brady having a big bounce back game, right? And boy, did he. Yeah. It was a 341 and three touchdowns today. Just a phenomenal game. 500 and something yards of offense for that team. But guess what? The Ra- the Rams defense, they're not the Panthers defense. You know, they have one of the best players in the entire game in Arab Donald. And, you know, they're, they're very good against the pass. They put a lot of pressure on the cornerback, on the quarterback, rather. Does Brady have what it takes, you know, on the Monday night stage? I think, you know what, this is a game where the Rams really take that next step. They take a team like the Buccaneers, knock them back down a peg. I'm going to take the Rams on the road. You know, I like that. I like that philosophy. I like that thought because the last time Tampa Bay played on a Monday night game was against the Saints, right? Was it Monday night or Sunday night? That was a Sunday night game. Sunday night game, which was a big game. And Tampa Bay, man, just looked horrible. And Brady. Brady was terrible. Yeah, Brady looked terrible. But today, Brady had, what, three touchdown passes. Didn't he rush for two? I know he rushed for at least one. I think it was just one touchdown, but nonetheless, yeah. I mean, he four or five touchdowns? Man, fantasy football dream right there. But. Uh, you have the Rams. I'm going to go with Tampa, especially being at home. I just feel that the West Coast flying to East Coast, uh, there's some talk out there that the time difference and, you know, it's in Tampa Bay. It, I just feel like Tampa and Tom Brady, TB and TB, are both going to have another good game, a solid game. I don't think they're going to, it's not going to be a blowout like today, but I think they win. I think they win by, by at least three. Yeah. Three. It's a good call. There you go. Good call. Well, anything else to uh, finish up this podcast there? T dog, anything on your mind? No, I think we've said enough. (laughs) I think, I think we have to. And, uh, we are, we are going to uh, basically we're going to be here next week talking about our picks. Uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, what's happening in the sports world. And, you know, if you guys have any questions, just, uh, you know, hit us up. So thank you for listening to Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. Visit our website at mondaymorningcouchpotatoes.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at mmcouchpotatoes. Listening to this podcast doesn't make you any smarter than you already are. The Monday Morning Couch Potatoes podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening. And I'm out. There you go, folks. And he's out. And so am I.